Welcome to another episode of Before You Kill Yourself with your host, Leo Flowers. I am Leo Flowers. Today I want to talk about grieving, especially the the death of a spouse. But before we get into that, I want to read you a listener email that I received. And if you want to send me an email, you can at leoflowers2000 at gmail. The email says, quote, just want to send you an email and let you know I appreciate you and your calm voice. I'm 50 and going through a divorce. I've also suffered from treatment-resistant depression for 30 years. Your podcast brings me comfort, end quote. Thank you so much for this uh, this email sent by, uh, we'll just call him B. And, you know, anybody going through a divorce, that is tough because it's so layered, right? There's not just the emotional component of losing this person who you, you know, that was your best friend for so long that you were in love with and that you shared so many experiences with. Then there's the administrative part, who gets what, right? And the financial part and how much do they get after? It's like, wow. Um, all these things uh, c- can be challenging to cope with. So we are sending our prayers, wishing you luck. Thank you for tuning into the episode, and I'm glad that my voice can bring you comfort. Into today's episode, I want to talk about grieving the loss of a spouse. And this is very important because a lot of times when we think of you know, suicide and ending your life. Um, there are different ways in which it can happen. Sometimes, you know, the ending of our life can be intentional, you know, through, uh, you know, some type of means where we go, I'm going to end my life. We make the decision and we take actionable steps towards doing that. And then sometimes it can be passive. And sometimes it can we can just be unaware that we're doing it. When we look at the stats on people who uh, die after their spouse has died, it, it's, it's, it's so significant. The mortality risk is about 66%. A 2013 study showed that people had a 66% uh, increased mortality risk within the first 90 days of losing their spouse. And these results held true for both men and women. A previous study from 2008 drew a similar conclusion, uh, finding that surviving spouses had a 30 to 90 percent increased mortality risk within the first three months following the death of their spouse. And this is called the widowhood effect, where you uh, you know you lose someone, and then uh, you know within 90 days the grief. Um, causes one to die within 90 days of it. And in some cases, we see people dying within 24 hours of it. And and not because they went out to, to end their lives. They just, the grief was so painful. And so if, if you've lost someone um, and you're experiencing grief, don't take it lightly. It, it's not something that, um, you know, people will be like, get over it, get past it, whatever it was. They were like, it was a couple weeks ago. You should be, you know, up and cracking right now. 
if it's painful for you, acknowledge it. Um, and, and learn, and we'll, we'll talk about strategies, uh, uh, for doing that. But a lot of us don't take it seriously. And, you know, even though we're talking about the, the death of a partner, right? Even going through a divorce, there's kind of a, a death, you know, there's the loss of a partner in that. Even if you want that, it can be very challenging, uh, for a lot of us. And so some of the reasons why one grief-stricken spouse dies soon after their partner include the physical and mental tolls of being a caregiver. You know, if you're someone who has been taking care of your spouse for a significant amount of time, chances are you've let your health decline. You're not exercising, you're not eating right, uh, your sleep cycle is off, you're not socializing probably not taking your medications, you're not keeping up with your doctor's appointments. There's so many things that uh, we just kind of neglect for ourselves because all the attention and resources are going towards our ailing loved one. The other reason why um, the grief-stricken spouse may die soon after is the physiological impact of grief. Some symptoms of grief can range from poor sleep and weight loss to lower immunity and illness. So when we're grieving, you know, it's boosting our cortisol levels because, you know, we're not getting lack of sleep. And so that's impairing our judgment. So that makes us more accident prone. Uh, We're losing weight, so we're not getting the nutrients in that we typically would be taking in. And then we also have higher levels of inflammation in our body which is linked with serious health risks. I myself, I'm recently uh, been eating without adding salt to my diet because I realized how much inflammation was in my body. Like it was difficult for me to open and close my hands regularly. And then I could feel some tightness around my chest. I was like, what is happening? And then my masseuse said that, you know, maybe it's the sugars, but my sugars are very low. And he was like, well, it could be the salt. And I said, you know what, man? I I oversalt everything. Things don't taste salty to me, but I know just visually uh, with all the salt that I put on, it's a lot of salt. It adds up because even if you buy chicken or meat, a, a lot of foods that we purchase are already uh, doused with uh, some type of sodium, you know, to, to preserve as a preservative. So a lot of meats, a lot of chickens, a lot of beefs already been injected with a significant amount of sodium, and that can cause inflammation in the body. So anyway, getting back to, you know, some of the reasons why a grief-stricken spouse uh, may die soon after is also a lack of social support, right? This is especially true if the surviving spouse relied on their partner to maintain an active social calendar and stay connected to family and friends. And that's the case for Michelle and I. Like, Michelle is my my social calendar person. Like, any group things, like, we're going to the movies this weekend, and, and these were all, you know, initially, her. like, if she and I broke up, uh, I I would have to start over with uh, a local friend group. I mean, I have friends, but my friends are in other cities throughout the world. 
um, not like a strong support group like what we have here in San Diego is um, it's it's mostly Michelle. So yeah, if something happened to her, man, I, I'd be lonely very quickly, uh, and that that would double down on my grieving. Uh, but and then also changes in the environment, right? Because uh, the the lifestyle disruptions often take place after a spouse's death may be harmful to the surviving spouse's mental and physical state, right? So like the, a person dies and now maybe you have to sell the house, you have to um, you know, switch cities. All these things can be painful. I mean, all your memories are in the house, the photos. And maybe you're going from a, a, a larger house to a smaller house, so you can't take everything with you. Those things are extremely uh, challenging and painful. So, and and acknowledge the pain because that pain comes from a yearning to be with that person, right? To, to, because there's so many activities, whether it was like going out to dinner or movies or these shared experiences that you had. And because you did them together, your body is just naturally anticipating that person being there. I would imagine even that first morning you wake up. And that person is not there, you know. But you've reached for them as if they were. You you turned over to to give them a hug, and you know it's just the pillow or the cold side of the bed. So our bodies, our physi- our physiology is um, yearning for them. That's what makes it so painful is that you you're reaching out and longing, for, and then they're not they're not there, you know, physically. Um, so how do we cope with the death? Of a spouse, I mean, because losing a beloved spouse can be heart wrenching. When you're moving through the stages of grief, it may be hard to imagine life without your partner. However, there are things that we can do to cope with the death of our spouse, like talking to a qualified counselor. And this may take you time to find a, a therapist or counselor or coach, somebody that you feel like understands you and what you're going through. Because what you don't want is to find somebody who's going to uh, give you a cookie-cutter response to your grieving. Like, okay, you should be here now, and then after three months you'll be here. It's like you want someone who will see you for where you are in this present moment versus trying to place you into some like, well, I mean, these are the stages of grieving. Like, the, the research has shown that we can move in and out of the stages of grieving. Um, and for some people, one stage can take six months, another could take, you know, six days, six hours. The, the, there's no official pattern of moving through the stages of, of grief. Uh, and the other way we can cope with it is to focus, but, but definitely get help, you know. That, and that might take time. So ideally, you would have someone that you are talking to even before they die. That way, you have a transitional person. So hopefully, you have a therapist that's helping you cope with taking care of the loved one um, before they die. And now, obviously, I'm talking about, this is in reference to people who are, are older and taking care of their significant other. You know, if you're in your 20s and your spouse dies, you, you know, so some of these things may not apply, obviously, right? 
but still having someone that you can talk to to help guide you through the grieving process is definitely uh, very helpful. We always want to have that person in our lives. So talk to a qualified uh, counselor, therapist, or you know, even a, a group. You know, join a, a, a grief group. But I'll, once again, finding the grief group that really connects with you. It, it's not about just going to any grief group. But you know, we have to really might have to spend some time, and it might even be online. Maybe it can't be in person. Maybe you find it online. And there's, I'm sure, plenty of grief groups online that you can hop into. Uh, and the other thing we can do is focus on our self-care, right? Because it's common to lose interest in eating and cooking after losing a spouse. But I got to tell you, cooking for me is very soothing. The thought of cooking sucks. When I think about cooking, when I think about working out, it sucks. Like this morning I woke up. And my body was like, I don't want to get out of bed. And then I got, and I was like, all right, Leo, but just go shower. So I showered. And then I went in the gym, and I was like, I don't want to work out. But then I was like, you know what, let me just warm up and see what happens. And I tell you, and, and my friends noticed it because I did an Instagram Live this morning. And, it, like, the first few minutes, I was groggy. I was slow. I was like, ugh. ugh. And about five, ten minutes in, all of a sudden, my energy just shot up. And that was because I, I had warmed up. So don't think that where you are right now in this minute is where you're going to be five minutes from now. Right now, you might be like, I don't want to cook. And then all of a sudden, you you hop in the car, you drive to the grocery store, you start shopping around, you start seeing some fruits, maybe you see somebody you know, or something, one of your favorite foods is on sale, you start getting ideas, your mouth starts watering, and all of a sudden, you're at home, you're cooking, you got music playing, Maybe you're FaceTiming a friend and it becomes a, you know, it becomes an event, an experience for you that really at the end of it, you go, I'm so grateful and glad that I did this. You know, it got you out the house. All those things are tied into cooking. There's a social aspect and, and, act, and it's an activity and it's a way of doing something that kind of takes time and yet you have to be present for and mindful, right? You don't want to be, uh, you know, cutting up the vegetables and, and lose a finger in the process. So focus on self-care. You know, I did an episode yesterday on grooming. So, you know, grooming, getting your hair cut, getting your nails done, buying clothes, getting rid of clothes, getting clothes tailored, washing your clothes. Focus on self-care. Sleep well, eat right, limit the alcohol, exercise. And, and exercise, like I said, it doesn't have to be doing this P90X thing. Exercise could be just going for a walk or doing the laundry, or, you know, something active, rearranging the furniture in the house, painting. What about painting the walls? Finding a way to stay active and focus on self-care, which brings me into the, the third way of coping is stay busy. The, the, you know, we always talk about how all activity um, is equal. So, you know, whether you are doing the dishes, painting the walls, writing a book, going for a bike ride, as long as you're busy, you know, I, I busy myself with raking the leaves out in the backyard and cleaning the car. Like that's my, I love washing my car. I found some products so I don't have to drive it to the, uh, the car wash. I can wash it right here at the house. So finding ways to stay busy. You know, that gives you a sense of purpose. 
you know, if it's working out, uh, you know, take your time or even volunteering at a local school or food bank, uh, pursuing a new hobby, taking a, um, I have a friend, uh, she's, uh, you know, taking a, a, a gun training course. My girlfriend is taking Krav Maga. Another friend of mine is, is learning how to play the guitar. Like just finding somebody, renew your library membership, you know, just show up and see and see what's cool to read. Join a book club and then, you know, get a pet if you need to. It could be fish. I was watching the quarterbacks with Patrick Mahomes and he got this massive fish tank, right? I mean, you know, pets with their unconditional love, they give us a reason to get out of bed. I mean, especially if you get a dog, all the barking and you know the fact that you don't you don't want them to pee on your <laughs> you don't want your dog to pee on your front yard you know in your house or on your couch or on you <laughs> you well you might be into that kind of thing but uh, moving on and then you know lastly turn to others you know social support has been shown to be beneficial during the grieving process and can help counteract the widowhood effect if you're mourning the death of your spouse. Make it a point to reach out to family and friends, even if it's just a short phone call. When you're feeling ready, find enjoyable ways to stay connected and busy, such as joining a book club, taking a fitness class, or participating in activities at your local community center. So just recognize that grief is real. It takes time. Uh, It's not about getting on with your life. But there are ways for us to move on, to put one step in front of the other. The upside is human beings are resilient creatures, right? So with the power to find joy and meaning in life, even after a painful loss. One study uh, on grief by clinical psychologist George A. Bonanno found that acute grief symptoms eased for 50% of participants by six months after a loss. Right, that's six months. Um, so, although your your thoughts may be painful at first, focusing on good memories and positive emotions can help you find the peace you deserve. And I'll, I'll link to this article that I um, was reading from from the National Council on Aging, and then you can click on that and and see if there's something else you want to pull from there. But I just want to you know share this with you and let you know that. Grieving is painful. You're not alone in this. It's part of the human experience. And if you have seven seconds, share this episode with one other person who you think might benefit from this. Because when we share information, then we can start a conversation. And then that can lead to deeper communication, more intimacy, and build a community. And and that's all we want to do is converse, connect, build community. And that's how we get to tomorrow together. Thank you so much for tuning in. Remember, this podcast is not a substitute for you calling the 988 or any of the other uh, hotline numbers that are listed in all of the show notes. You can chat, talk, text. You can always go to thrivewithleo.com for one-on-one coaching with yours truly. Let's get to tomorrow together.